You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today we're going to talk about Edgar Wright's latest movie. Uh, if you listen to our other podcast, Kicking It with Kendrick, we just talked about Scott Pilgrim on that one last week. And this week we are going to talk about Last Night in Soho. This is Edgar Wright's latest movie starring Thomason McKenzie, um, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Matt Smith. It is a very different movie from a lot of the ones he's done before. And I don't know. We were both, well, I was pretty excited for it because I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. I don't know if uh, Pierre feels quite the same way. But anyway, we're going to talk about this one today. Um, Light, light spoilers for this movie. I think that if you watch this, if you listen to this before you watch the movie, you're still basically going into the movie spoiler free. But keep in mind, um, there are a few tiny bits that may be out of context spoilers. So just keep that in mind. And uh, how about we listen to Anya Taylor-Joy's version of Downtown from Last Night in Soho? When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen. Listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today we're talking about a movie that um, it did just come out. Like I think it's fairly, it's it's really recent for sure. But uh, interestingly enough, it is already in the second run theaters. I just had we just had like three, we just had three weeks where our recording schedule is a little weird because uh, I'm currently in the middle of a move. This movie came out at the beginning of that move. Now I am at the end of that move, and it's not in the main theaters anymore. It's already in second-run theaters. Uh, Pierre, what do you think of that? Do you think this movie has any chance at success? Maybe a slight, like, I don't depends on your definition of success, I guess. I think for an Edgar Wright movie, it might be on the lower spectrum of success, for sure. I guess... Uh, 
I should, I, I, I just realized I forgot to say what movie this is. This is uh, Edgar Wright's latest movie, as you just said, Last Night in Soho, which um, cinephiles will know was like mega hyped. I think it's one that got delayed from last year to this year. And it was like a big profile one. London, I think it played at London. It may have played at New York. It played in, at TIFF. And in each of those, it was like in-person only. And tickets were super expensive at TIFF. They weren't doom levels of expensive, but like not just anyone got to go to Soho, I think. So like this was a very hyped movie because it's, you know, the next movie from Edgar Wright. And uh, we've talked, have we talked about Edgar Wright on this show before other than uh, Scott Pilgrim? Um, no, I don't believe we have. Yeah, I guess we, we recently talked about Edgar Wright on our Kicking It With Kendrick podcast where we talked about his uh, Scott Pilgrim movie. Mm-hmm. But like we've, um, yeah, other than that, I guess he's most well known for Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and The World's End, I guess the Cornetto trilogy. Honestly, more Baby Driver recently, at least with people I've talked to. Really? Because, um, like, I mean, I know him for Baby Driver. I really liked Baby Driver. Well, I mean, I knew him before that. But, like, I always I always thought that, like, Shaun of the Dead was his big movie. Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'd say, like, um, it was definitely, like, his takeoff. But, like, I don't know. Just, like, when I say Edgar Ray, I think the easiest one to say is Baby Driver, I guess. I don't know why, but I think it's just, like, it was. A, it felt like a very different movie. And it was also his, like, first, like, American movie, so it was, like, distributed more widely and had, like, more of a press run here. Um, true, true. So I think that might have... Well, well I mean, second, I guess. Scott Pilgrim was also one. Scott right? Pilgrim. Yeah, so, um, yeah. And Last Night in Soho is actually a very different movie for Edgar Wright, because, like, I would say his... When I think of an Edgar Wright movie, like obviously there's specific examples I can think of, but they're usually comedies. They're like, he's got like a really specific style of humor that like you either really like or you really don't generally. It's really witty. It's really snappy. Um, His movies are very, I don't want to say dense. They're very tight. Like Shaun of the Dead, there is so much happening in that movie that, you know, on each rewatch, you'll say you can notice like two or three or four different things happening in every scene. And the same with Scott Pilgrim. Like there's a lot of visual stuff in the background that like doesn't even really matter to the plot. It's just there, but it's not like, it's not like there's entire storylines happening in the plot in the background. It's just that there's a lot of supplementary stuff uh, always going on. He's got really... He's got very full movies and they're very fast paced. They're very witty. Uh, this is a little different from that. Yeah. It's uh, a turn towards a more of a thriller direction, which I guess we've seen him kind of be restless with his style in terms like he doesn't want to keep doing comedies. Like baby driver was definitely a much more of an action flick. Um, mm-hmm. But the style of it, like it was, it was very fast paced and a lot of the editing and cinematography techniques were very, similar to what he did with comedy um this was yeah. like a lot he, he he stripped back his style a lot um and re- experimented a lot more with colors and special effects like vfx um um and uh just maybe and almost kind of like story content you know it's a it's it's in some ways like kind of a abstract story 
uh at least at the start i think it gets much more basic towards the end but yeah uh it is a different offering from from a lot of what he's done in the past i guess but that that's i think when you say oh i was just gonna say i think that's just the type of guy he is he wants to keep switching it up well, when you say abstract story, uh, how do you mean? And by that, I specifically want to ask you, what That's is the story. story about? Um, well, it's kind of a, it's a, it's about a young girl, um, or woman who's what, I, I think she's like 18, 19, and she has just been accepted to a fashion school in London. I think she mm-hmm. lives somewhere in the country. Um, and, uh, she's very afraid because, you know, this is her first time going to, london i think or at least living there um yeah and uh there's a little backstory set up at the very start with the fact that her her mother died um i don't know why it doesn't really come in later in the movie so it's not relevant at all um and then uh yeah and she goes to london and then she has a bad time there so she ends up living in this uh weird house uh slash room uh where she's like uh i guess living yeah that's her room and then when she lives in this room when she falls asleep she experiences dreams that are feel very real to her and then the story kind of goes from there i guess yeah i guess just to expand on that she really hates her uh assigned university room so that's why she moves out and she moves into an attic suite owned by this older lady in um a smaller part of London. I don't know which part of London. I guess Soho. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would make sense. <laughs> and then her dreams are, they feel very real to her, but they all are dreams about some girl in the 60s in Soho. And like, they, they're, they're not things she's experienced, but they feel very real. So a lot of times in this movie, they're sort of wrestling with the idea of, uh, is she getting like visions from the past? Did these things really happen? Is this just very vivid dreams? What's going on, right? Yeah. Although it's not really left too ambiguous because the movie sort of makes its stance known on that pretty quick. As far as the movie is concerned, the visions that like her dreams are just real events from the 60s. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's I guess that's kind of it does feel like a very unique premise. I can't think of another movie that kind of feels this way, I guess. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, and I, I think Edgar Wright wrote this himself. So it's a <clears throat> interesting venture for him. Um, Jeff, what, what are your general thoughts on the movie? Uh, it's not good. It's really <laughs> bad. Actually. I think that like the premise is fine. But the problem with this is that it just never really delivers on, like, I feel like it's not that it doesn't deliver on any of it. It's just that, as I was talking about Edgar Wright earlier on, his his scripts always are, like, really snappy and um, they're very tightly written. So, like, I appreciate that he doesn't always have to be super witty and, like, on the ball in terms of comedy. But, like, when you look at Shaun of the Dead, in the very first scene of Shaun of the Dead, there are, like, little hints as to what is going to happen in the entire movie. And if you go through the movie and you see and you just pick apart every different scene, he's always foreshadowing something or, like, calling back to something. Or there's just, like, little hints in there which are 
always characterizing the different characters, right? And in Last Night in Soho, there's so much stuff that just doesn't feel like it makes sense. Um, for example, one thing that really bothered me, and this is the most minor detail, but it's an Edgar Wright movie, so I'm going to look at this stuff. Right outside her room, there's a sign that has that flashes blue, red, and white. And I don't remember the exact order, but it's, uh, it's either white, red, blue, or blue, red, white in that order. And like, it just flashes them in that order. And it always like leaks into her room. The, the, um, the, the light from that comes into her room and it like, that's her main source of light in her room. And she doesn't have good curtains. So she can't really like block that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when she's in her room, when she gets in there, you see, you know, she's carrying on a conversation and you see blue, red, white, blue, red, white, etc., all through her conversation. And then she lays down to sleep and like now she's about to have a dream, right? And all you see is red, red turns off, red, red turns off, red, red turns off. That's a really cool device. I'm like, oh, okay, now we're sort of like going into, I don't know exactly what he's trying to say with this, but like clearly this is now indicating we're about to go into this dream and experience the stuff in the dream. That's not consistent. Sometimes like sometimes when she's having like weird visions and she's clearly like kind of still asleep and in a nightmare, it'll be, it'll always be red in those cases, but sometimes she's like not asleep anymore and it's just flashing red mm -hmm. where, and it, it really bugged me because I'm like, what do these lights mean? Because you sort of set up like clearly you don't, you don't just accidentally make a light, make lights flash in a pattern and then, scrap the pattern for a very specific flashing for a different pattern. And then like, that has to mean something. I don't know. I get really upset about the lights in this movie. That's yeah. part of it. But, like, well, like, I guess it's, just, it's fair to say your expectations were, I guess, shifted because um, you came in expecting like an Edgar Wright movie up to his standards. Right. And, and there yeah. a lot of his style, I guess is not because like, Looking back at like some of his, but I, I'd say like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are like his best movies, and like um, everything about those movies like connects, and like everything mm -hmm. matters. All the characters like kind of, a lot of the characters have their own character arcs. Um, like every every moment is important, so it's weird to be watching a film, especially like what like fourteen years later, um, yeah. where like you would expect him to have improved his style and matured, and like become a lot more consistent and it's actually the opposite where it feels like there's a lot less heart put into this movie. Well, I mean, <laughs> the thing, I guess to sort of sum up what I was saying, like the thing that bothers me about this is I noticed this, especially from Scott Pilgrim, because in our Scott Pilgrim episode, I said like, I have watched that movie more than any other movie in my life. And so, you know, every time I rewatch it, I notice new details because Edgar Wright is extremely detail oriented. He has such a, eye for attention to detail it's really cool it's why i like his movies and then in this and i i don't mind if this movie feels different than his other movies it should what i do mind is that like if you're if i know a director because they are meticulous about every detail of their movie and then i see a movie from them where they aren't to me that comes across as sloppy because like 
that's the one part of his style that I won't like, I can't let him change if he's, if, if I'm going to think of his next movie as being any good. Yeah. And the light is the most, it's, it's the biggest example of this, but there's so many other things like a lot of character motivations don't really make sense. Uh, there's one character who's sort of a fake out villain and he's in the movie, but his see- his scene in the movie where you where it foreshadows that he's actually not the villain and that he's actually a fake out villain is like you only it only makes sense if you like already have seen the movie and know to look for it. Like there's there's no for it it's it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very end. Uh, the the final I'm gonna say twist. It's not a twist ending, but like the final character moment, the final twist uh, comes out of nowhere. Doesn't mean anything. It's just like a character says, "Oh, instead of being evil, I will be good." And now I'm dead. Yeah. So <clears throat> the ending feels very. Uh, even though it, it like I, I I think it took the necessary time to build up to it. It didn't really mean anything. Um, like it a lot of pay the, off the right way. Yeah, I think a lot of the twists that were put in were kind of more. It felt like they were just there to play a trick on the audience and keep us and like lengthen the plot of the movie rather than like actually being there for a reason. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I I didn't. I mean, this is this is a. Uh, I feel bad for like referencing Edgar Wright, but I mean he's the director, so it. But like his like the way. I've never been a big fan of his plots and uh, and his writing. It's at least specifically lately, like Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim, um, both have like their plots aren't very good, and they're carried a lot by his um, technical technical skills. Yeah, um, this is kind of a different case because he is not on top of his technical game. Because I think he was making room. And minimizing that, he minimized it to make room for more suspense and more room to, for the plot to breathe and stuff like that, and maybe for the dramatic performances to take hold. But I wouldn't really say like any of those things actually did enough to make up for the fact that his technical skills weren't there. Uh, well, I would yeah. also say that um, another thing that he sacrifices and like. I feel bad for just ragging on the guy, but another thing that he really sacrifices from other movies of his, I just think about this because you brought up baby driver in baby driver, all of the performances, even, even if they're not like fantastic performances, I mean, they're good performances. He has incredible actors there and they're doing, you know, even if that's, that's not Jamie Foxx's worst performance, but if it was one of Jamie Foxx's worst performances, it would still be really good. Yeah. Um, so like he's got really good actors, but the thing is like he's really good at writing uh, side characters because like in Baby Driver, there's one character played by Flea, the bassist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I still remember that character even though he's got like three lines because Edgar Wright, I think he wrote an entire character and like only showed that character to Flea and didn't include anything about that character in his script which is fine because you see Fleek playing this full character that he knows entirely inside and out and he's given it his all. And like, he's like, this is exactly how my character would act because I know this character inside and out. Even if you will never know this character the way I did. 
do. And in this movie, like, yes, he's got dramatic performances and they're um, pretty good. Like uh, the main characters in this movie are, or the main actors in this movie are Tomas and McKenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy and Matt Smith. All of them are fine. Like they're good performances, but like they feel so lifeless by comparison because they're written in a more traditional way. And I don't think Edgar Wright is as good at writing characters that way as he thinks he is. Like Tomas and Mackenzie is giving a performance that is written for her in the script. And she knows that character, but she knows that character the same way we do from the movie and from the script where like, uh, Anna Kendrick in Scott Pilgrim, she's in it for like three, she's only in it for like 10 minutes cumulatively throughout the whole movie. But like, she knows the character better than we will ever know her because most of her character isn't even in the script. So she's playing a character she knows really, really well because Edgar Wright has written her out a whole character, but like he only needs her for 10 minutes. And in this one, it's like, you know, we we get more traditionally written characters and I just don't think Edgar Wright does that as well as he thinks he does. Yeah, I <clears throat> I mean, I also, oh man, I, I hate to say it, but Baby Driver, I noticed the two, I'm sorry, I just, I didn't like Baby Driver, and everyone You're did. You're welcome to not like And it Baby makes Driver. me sad because it feels like there was a lot wrong with that movie. Um, but yeah, like the, like his, he's very bad with like, um, his leads, like his romantics, he, he loves these, his romance stories, for example, um, they never really have chemistry though. Like I never felt chemistry, that much chemistry between Matt Smith and Anya Taylor joy. Um, Oh, we're about, I got another rant. Oh, you got another too. one. I, I hated the, the main character and their love and her love interest in the movie was also just really awkward and they had zero chemistry. Um, and it just felt really forced. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of unfortunate because I I feel like Edgar Wright's really good at directing uh, actors. Like he can do it. Like I mean, in his previous movies, like you said, there's so many memorable performances that really uplift. I mean, yeah, especially in Baby Driver, it like really helped uplift the script. But then also just mm-hmm. looking at like the Cornetto trilogy and Scott Pilgrim, like so many performances in those were, like really shown, even with like very little screen time. This movie, like yeah, the leads is. There, even though they're great actors, I'm pretty sure like they they had nothing. It felt like they had nothing to work with, um, and none of them felt relatable. I didn't really care about any of them, um, and yeah, I don't. And I I think he was probably doing he was toning it down a lot because it is a supposed to be a psychological thriller, but it just it wasn't written in a way that was interesting despite being toned down a lot. If that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> say on the. On the romance, on the romance aspect, like I just don't think Edgar Wright knows how to write the romance plot lines that he seems to be interested in. Because, like, even if you go back and look at Scott Pilgrim, in Scott Pilgrim, the romance is probably that's probably one of his strongest romances, and it still doesn't really hit because all three of the romantic interests, like Knives, Ramona, and Kim, they all like kind of fall flat because the story is about Scott. And so all three of them, even though they are their own characters, the script doesn't really allow them to grow very much because their storylines specifically help Scott. And so 
you know, those relationships don't feel mature the way they should um, because he's not writing mature relationships. He's writing a character who is in a relationship. And sometimes that relationship affects that character. And it's even worse in Baby Driver because in Baby Driver, like uh, Ansel Elgort's, um, Ansel Elgort's uh, romantic interest is a waitress and that's where her characterization stops. It was really bad. So, yeah. And like she exists specifically so that later on someone can say to him, I'm going to kill your girlfriend. And he goes, no, actually don't do that. <laughs> so it's like, it's, he doesn't. And in this movie, it's just as bad or I, I wouldn't say it's worse. It's worse for different reasons, but it's only slightly better than baby driver mm. because like she has, she has a romantic interest and the romantic interest is just like, well, I mean, he's he's really understanding, but that's his entire character arc is like, other people make fun of her when she talks, he does not. And then, you know, he's a black guy in a horror movie, fill in the rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like, I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta give credit to my buddy Mark for that, because I think uh, he originally, he, he kind of made me realize that that is as big of a problem in Edgar Wright movies as it is. I mean, I am conscious of that and like I could figure that out. But like, you know, you know, when someone like points out something and you're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially it is it is odd considering how much I feel like a lot of his movies focus on romance that, yeah, that it would still be like this was probably the worst one yet for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's not getting any better. So anyways. It's uh, it, it is unfortunate, but um, yeah. Is, is there anything you liked about this movie? Um, I mean, like, well, I mean, there were some technical aspects, that, like some of the shot transitions when uh, she would go to sleep, for example, and move into the other world. I thought like the mirror tricks and uh, the some of the lighting was really cool. There's that one. Sh- there's this one shot where when she goes to bed, she like goes under the sheets. And then it like slowly like pans out as, as like, it's like a really big bed or something. She's like really small. That was a really cool yeah, shot. I love that. That's a really cool shot. Um, um, Edgar Wright, as we've, as we said in our Scott Pilgrim episode, if people have listened to that, like Edgar Wright is very visually minded. And so he has a lot of really cool shots in here. Even if I don't think, I think this is one of his more visually, I think this is kind of one of his more visually dead movies. Like it's not as interesting as most of his other movies visually, but it does still, he's still got a good eye. Like there's some really cool shots in this. Like you said, the, the shot of her going to sleep, um, the shots in the sixties are like pretty stylish. And like, as, as, as you mentioned, you mentioned it briefly, the mirror shots where like Anya Taylor joy is on screen acting alongside Matt Smith and Tomasa McKenzie is there, but she's only in the mirror looking at looking through. Mm-hmm. Like those, those are cool shots. That's that's really it's a really cool effect. Yeah, there was like I, I don't really understand how we did it, and it, I think it added a lot to like the like the 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 scenes in the seventies were very well done in terms of the style and like it, they made it feel very magical. Or was mm-hmm. it? It was the sixties. It might have been the sixties. Yeah, sixties. Um, and I think that that mirror effect really added to like. It just, it's just, I don't know, mirror, people showing up in mirrors is, is a kind of a trope, like, 
like as ghosts or whatever. But I think it was just really cool. I mean, it helped really uh, present that part of the movie really well. And I think that's probably this part. Those were probably the scenes Edgar Wright cared about the most, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like he wanted to make a 60s-based movie because um, he loves that aesthetic. When you say, like, the mirror shots are tropes, and they are, but, like, I don't know how hard a shot like that is to pull off, but I've never seen it done as well as in this movie. Yeah. Like, he, he did it really cool. Like, there's scenes where she's, like, banging on the mirror, mm-hmm. and it's actually moving, which is super cool, because I don't know how they shot that, because, like, did, did Anya Taylor-Joy have a, like, rustling mirror right next to her? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's cool. Yeah. It's cool to think about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That I think there's a lot of also like problem. Like I think it's not. It seemed like he set out to make a psychological thriller, and it didn't feel like the plot naturally led to that. If that makes sense, I was much more like enamored by the by the idea of a fashion designer getting lots of inspiration from the past. I mean, it's, it's a very literal like because like you know, fashion is cyclical. Lots of designs are reused in the in the present but just changed slightly um so that aspect well, and i guess oh and i guess technically her plot line in the present uh involved her specifically actually recreating the dress that she saw in her dream yeah so i thought that aspect was cool in terms of um i mean i've I'd never seen a movie about uh a fashion school like coming like the only other one i can think of is like the devil wears prada but that wasn't really about creating fashion it was more of like a um it was, it was more of a character study but uh so that aspect was cool i was i was really into that once the thriller aspect starts like i, I do kind of like the psychotic edge it it contains it in some parts it was very psychedelic but like towards the end of the movie i just feel like it, it once it becomes completely focused on uh the haunting ask like the haunting and like she's insane stuff like that that's when i kind of lost me because it felt very cliche felt overdone it felt like the movie didn't really know what it wanted to do and it completely ditched the earlier aspect of an up-and-coming fashion designer trying to fit mm-hmm. in into the big city um yeah yeah which i kind of also reminds me of uh like i felt i had that problem with the world's end um where i I thought the the main the main initial story the grounded story was really interesting and set up an interesting premise but then once he got into the alien stuff in the world's end i think it like really came apart and i think it's the same with this movie um Mm. where he gets distracted and uh uh he, he ditches the 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 foundation of the movie i guess um yeah 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 now that you mention it like his two best movies are part of the part of what makes them good is that he doesn't go too insane with them. Like hot fuzz is it's pretty ridiculous, but like, it's mostly a grounded story about a big city cop going to small town England. And like that small town gets out of control like he he finds like a conspiracy in this small town and eventually ends up like going on it and eventually ends up having to shoot everybody in the town basically but like it doesn't it doesn't like quickly spiral into mole people and aliens and zombies and whatever it's yeah. like it it picks it picks a topic and runs with it yeah it's still a cop movie in the end and the the focus yeah. is 
he uh what in hot fuzz is his him and nick frost friendship slash like him trying to do the right thing i guess so that's consistent mm-hmm. throughout the movie same thing with Shaun of the dead where it's it's mostly like he's afraid to grow up and then he does grow up by the end of the movie um yeah but then yeah and, and anyways so yeah I, I see what you mean and i think it's a fine line to because i kind of get what edgar Wright's doing in that like he i think he doesn't want to make the same movie that's been done before you know like mm-hmm. the world's end in terms of like the start like we've seen movies where like you know it's just it's a it's a plot about someone that can't move on from his friend from yeah. his childhood um i feel like that's been done before so he's like okay i'll add aliens and then kind of put the themes of that into the alien plot and then it'll make it interesting right so i understand that but it it, it doesn't always work um and yeah. it feels forced he's just like i'm doing something different for the sake of making it different rather than he has he's inspired by a story that he wants to tell that's original um and that's unfortunate i think because i think edgar wright is very was very close to being like a very exciting director like upper tier like critically acclaimed director um because he showed so much promise at the start but i feel like we're getting to a point now where he's lost a lot of his steam and it's like he he wants to be at that upper level of success but he he just doesn't he i I think he either i I think he has the skill for it he just doesn't there's something's not right maybe it's because he's writing his own scripts or he takes too much creative control but um he's just missing something i think he just kind of with this movie and like I don't know. I'm not going to say this is going to be a running theme in every one of his movies going forward, but I think in this movie, he abandoned too much of what made a lot of his other movies good. Like I said, I felt like this movie was very, was written in a very traditional way, like to be a traditional thriller. And yeah, it's got an interesting twist and stuff and it has some characteristic Edgar Wright things to it, but like, it doesn't feel like an Edgar Wright movie. And it doesn't feel interesting enough as a traditional movie to be to stand out. So, like, I don't really see what this movie, what, what the point is. Like, of all the Edgar Wright movies I've seen, this is the only one that I'm not super eager to go back and watch. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I would not watch this again <laughs> either. I think there, it didn't really give mm-hmm. me much. Um, but, yeah, I, I will... Oh, uh, before, I guess... We're done. I just quickly want to say I did appreciate this is Diana Diana Rigg, Riggs passed away, I think, last year. Um she played the older what she played she played the landlady in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and she was she also had a big role in Game of Thrones. Um so I just want to say I really appreciate I, I I appreciated her acting, um, at least with what I've seen. And I thought she was pretty good in this movie, so she was good in this. Lots yeah. of respect there. So yeah. Um, anyways, uh, I guess, do you want to slap a number on this and call it good? Uh, it... Why don't you go first? Cause I have a secret <laughs> recommendation too. Okay. A special movie recommendation. <clears throat> I think I'll give it like a five. Um, decently paced, kind of in- interesting, um, but not very memorable. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a six actually. Maybe I'll go six. I appreciate it. Right. Um, nothing great though. I think that for me, this would be like, this is like a four. I I keep wanting to go lower than that, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to rein myself in. I don't, I don't just hate this movie. Like there's, there's a lot to like, and it is a competent movie, 
but I don't think it's very good. And personally, I think it is very easily Edgar Wright's worst movie. Yeah. Um, I think I would have rated it lower too, but I'm trying to factor in the fact that like I had higher expectations because of Edgar Wright. But yeah, yeah. that's, that's true. But objectively, but I, I think it's say, a six. But what I would say is uh, another movie actually that kind of uses the themes of this or that has themes that are similar to this movie and like doesn't go the same direction as this movie. Uh, There's a Japanese movie from, I want to say it's probably 2014, but I can't, I'm not entirely sure called Therme Rome. It's about a guy who designs like public bathhouses and he finds like uh, he, he finds like a little, a little unused bath in the bathhouse that he works in. And when he takes a bath in that bath, in that bath, uh, he goes back in time to ancient Rome. And then he like takes a look at the bathhouses in ancient Rome and memorizes what he sees there and uses ancient Roman techniques to improve Japanese bathhouses, which like it's ridiculous. And it's uh, not, it's a very different movie from this because it's not a psychological horror at all, but it is kind of what you were mentioning earlier, where it would have been interesting to see a movie about like a fashion designer, just stealing all her ideas from the sixties that exists. It's the Japanese movie, Therme Rome about a bath designer stealing all his ideas from ancient Rome. That, yeah. Well, maybe that's where the inspiration came from. And then, it was like this isn't an original idea, so I gotta do something weird to it to make to write make this movie. I would love to hear that Edgar Wright has seen and like based a movie off of Therme Rome. That would be incredible. Yeah. 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 I guess. Do you have anything else to say about this movie? Uh, not really. I guess I'm just not really excited for the next Edgar Wright movie. I think uh, after Baby after Baby Driver and this back to back, I'm just. I, I think it's especially like because it's been what the two movies in eight years basically. He's been taking pretty long hiatuses. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there was Ant Man tech like there was Ant Man technically in there, and he that's why it took so long to make Baby Driver. But yeah, I, I'm just kind of I'm off the Edgar Wright train, and I hope the next thing he makes is is better, and he really challenges himself. But I, I I'm not excited for it. Dang. Well. Um... Let's talk about a movie that I hope we're both going to like next week instead. Uh, When this comes out, when this episode comes out, I believe the week, the week of this episode coming out, one movie that I am 100% certain is going to get nominated for Oscars is also coming out. So we're going to go both see that movie so that uh, we have fewer episodes to do once Oscar season runs around, <laughs> comes around. That would be nice. <laughs> Let's talk about The Power of the Dog. Jeff, what's the last By... word? Oh. <laughs> you know what? I was going to say the last word is Jane Campion, but how about more like Jane Champion? <laughs>